Good afternoon and welcome to a live edition of Mid-South Viewpoint on this Tuesday. I want to say hi to our friends listening on AM640 and FM100.7 and also our friends on Facebook. Welcome to the show where program is being streamed live on Facebook for our listeners. You're in for a treat this afternoon, but before we get into our program, a little sobering news. A 15-year-old boy shot 14 people this morning at Marshall County High School in Benton, Kentucky. A 15-year-old boy and a 15-year-old girl died. Five others suffered non-gunshot wounds. So the governor said uh, in a statement earlier today, now the suspect has been apprehended, according to the officials with Marshall County Emergency Management. This is the nation's first fatal school shooting of 2018. And I, I think we should stop and have a moment of prayer. And let me mm. first introduce our guest today with us. Steve Wiggins is here. I'm excited to officially introduce Steve. Steve is the uh, contemporary worship pastor on staff at Bellevue Baptist Church. Steve, as we start off in, with really sobering news, but I know your heart for young people, would you pray for the families involved here and for the one that was apprehended in this whole mess? Would you mind? Can we start off that way? But I think it would be appropriate to have our bot listeners join us mm. right now and pray. Yes. Father God, we just lift up the families of all the people involved here, Father, all of these children, Lord. I know that I drop my children off at school, Lord, and uh, and we just have a trust that they're going to be taken care of when uh, we pick them back up from school and just go about their life, Father. And yet today, tragedy has happened, Lord. And and so, Father, we, uh, we pray for your comfort in this situation for all of those involved, Father. Um, Lord, we don't know what the future holds, but we know who holds the future. And so, Father God, I pray that, uh, that by the power of your Spirit, Lord, and through Christians on the scene, uh, witnessing the truth of your word and speaking forth your word in the midst of this, Father, that, uh, that Lord, that, that in the midst of this tragedy, Father, that there would be comfort in time. Uh, Lord, we know that in times of tragedy that we don't trade what we know for what we don't know. So uh, what we don't know is why this would happen. How, why would something like this happen? We, we don't have any idea. But, Lord, here's what we do know. We know that you're ever-present. Lord, we know that you're all-powerful. Lord, we know that you're, you're, you're omniscient. You know all things, and we know, God, that your character never changes. And so I pray, God, that in the midst of this, that, that, that people would rely on the things that we know about you as we're trying to uncover what it is that we don't know as to why that this would happen, Father. Uh, but, most, uh, uh, but mostly, Father, we just, we just pray for all the people on the scene, for the counselors, uh, for the police, everybody investigating this, Lord, for the parents, Lord, I cannot imagine this the heaviness, Lord, of a parent who has to find out that their child has been injured or killed in, in, in any incident, Father. And, Lord, of course, we don't know who the shooter is or what the story is. And we know reporters, and we know that the investigation will pull that out. But even now, Lord, we know the parents of the child. Lord, we just pray, Lord, that, uh, that, that it would be so evident, Father, that, that, uh, that you are awesome and mighty and holy in this situation. And so uh, we commit them to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Steve, thank you so much. Thank you, listeners. And we'll continue to 
to pray for these families. But, uh, again, uh, you don't ever expect when you drop your kids off to school, I mean, I'm, you know, that, that something like that so tragic is going to happen. But uh, thanks for that prayer. Well, we, we do want to welcome uh, Steve Wiggins, as I mentioned, uh, contemporary worship pastor at, at Bellevue Baptist Church. Steve, uh, former frontman and songwriter for Big Tent Revival. Uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, that's, that's, that's pretty cool because I used to love listening to your music. I mean, I still do. Don't, don't used to. It's not a has-been. I mean, it's still happening, all right? But, uh, I mean, here's you had five. When you were with Big Tent Revival, you had five albums, and all of them were Grammy-nominated. I mean, that's a pretty big honor. Yeah, it, and it was a, it was a great honor. And, and you know, we... Every time something like that happens, you think to yourself, you know, every time you have like a, let's say you have a hit song, you think, well, I don't know if I'll ever going to write another one of these. So if somebody's going to honor this one, we're going to, you know, buy a new suit and go to the, you know, go to the award show. So, so every time we did that thinking we, you know, the first time and the second time, and, and we never ever thought or took for granted that anything like that would happen, but we were very honored. And, you know, the Grammy Awards is a, is a peer nominated thing. So it meant even more that it wasn't just the fans who liked your music, but that your peers actually would nominate you as, as one of the five, I suppose, of, of every one of those years in that genre, which yeah. which your peers would hold up. And that it meant a lot uh, to us at the time. And it was very encouraging to know that, uh, uh, you know, to know that something that you were doing in order to lift up the Lord was was recognized by your, your peers. That really speaks volumes. You know, I was doing a little research, a pre-study uh, on the on the life of, of uh, Steve Wiggins <laughs> before we start our show. It's kind of a short story, I'm well, sure. Well, it's interesting. I found this bio online, and, and it, basically it was pretty cut and dry. It just said... Uh, uh, you're from Memphis via Arkansas, and right. sometimes you do street evangelism, and that was pretty much <laughs> that was pretty much it, you know. Well, but I really like to hear some of the backstory to this. Uh, so you came from what part of Arkansas? Uh, we came from well, I I came from Fort Smith, Arkansas. That's where I uh, uh, grew up. Did the bulk of my growing up, sixth grade all the way through high school, and then I ran uh, track at Arkansas State University. That's what got me to Jonesboro. And then uh, I became a Christian while I was in college and started writing songs for uh, Bible study. Uh, a couple of friends of mine, Rich and David Cristiano, were Christian filmmakers. Uh, yeah, I've had Rich on this show. I, Rich is a friend of mine. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. they discipled me, and they they had uh, become Christians out at John MacArthur's church in California. So the way that they were discipling this small group of young believers was uh, through John MacArthur's tape ministry. So every week we would get a cassette tape. Remember those? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and of John MacArthur's sermon the previous Sunday. And then I would listen to that sermon probably two, three times a day so that by the time that I gave it back to them a week later to get the next installment, as it were, I could give John MacArthur's sermon word for word. And that was really how I developed a love for the Word, uh, was through um, being discipled in that way, by being with a group of guys and studying the Bible, but then also getting the, reach, uh, the rich uh, Bible teaching. I was telling a friend of mine the other day how, you know, there's some people, and you know how, you never know how things are going to go, but there's some people, and, and they become Christians, and it's almost like immediately the enemy comes and steals the word away, and yeah. they never really grow. They never really go to the next level. There was nobody there, really, in their life to um, challenge them to go deeper and to grow deeper, and uh, and we were very blessed, that little group. And everyone in that group went on to... Uh, 
to work in a sort of a major platform ministry. One guy works for John MacArthur now, uh, and uh, another guy's a pastor of a church. And you know, they all have gone off to do something wow. that was more than just a, a little Bible study. God did something very unique in in that season, and then. When I was writing songs, then uh, some guys here at Ardent Recording Studio in Memphis, uh, there was a mini revival, I should say, that was going on there. And there was a guy there named Pat Scholes, who's still in town and still part of Ardent. And he was sharing the gospel through evangelism explosion, which he learned at Central Church. And uh, and uh, they decided that they wanted to tithe like 10% of their studio time to something that would lift up the Lord. And so I was the guy they found. It's kind of bizarre. That's pretty cool. And then yeah, from yeah. there, I went through Evangelism Explosion. And then I met my wife, who was attending the college group at First Evan at the time. And, and then uh, we started. Uh, she started taking Evangelism Explosion at uh, Bellevue. And uh, then she became an EE trainer. And so there you go. You have uh, people, just young kids that really didn't know a lot. We had a Bible, and, and, and we were just starting to figure out what it meant, but we already knew that it was important to, to be in the Word and to share the truth of the Word. And, and uh, you know, my wife has always been a much better evangelist than, than me, and uh, she's a better giver than me, too, by the way. But uh, that's, that's sort of the story. My wife is, too. I, I can identify with that. Well, you, you mentioned several names that come full circle, and you mentioned Rich Cristiano because, sure. you know, he's a filmmaker and has mm-hmm. produced several faith-based films and have had him on the show to promote those in the past. You mentioned John MacArthur. Of mm-hmm. course, John MacArthur is one of the Bible teachers here on Bot Radio in the mornings at 830. But also, uh, I had a chance to do a one-hour live call-in show with John MacArthur on this program right here. Unbelievable. Uh, soon after his wife had had that horrible car accident, mm. his wife and daughter, many, many years ago. And then you also mentioned Ardent Studios. A couple of names stand out to me. John Fry, for one, was yes. a, a good friend. And, Todd Agnew uh, and I led the music for John Fry's funeral. Did you really? Yes. Boy, uh, John was a faithful listener to this station, you know? Of course. And uh, so it's really a, a small world. And of course, uh, another name that uh, comes to mind is uh, my dear friend, the late Dana Key. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was wondering, because I know Dana was part of that, too. Did, would, did, was he an influence in your life through Arden in that time before yes. Big Tent kind of came together? Well, you know, a lot of stories about Dana, so it's kind of hard, you know, in the moment to uh, uh, to sort of select maybe which are the best stories. But one thing that uh, one thing that was great about Dana was that he, uh, uh, I was working at Ardent Studios and had gotten a uh, record deal with Sparrow Records in Nashville really quickly. It's kind of mind blowing how I sort of dropped out of college and then, you know, six months later I have a record deal. That doesn't happen, by the way, kids. Stay in school. <laughs> and I'm talking to my kids, actually. But, uh, uh, but here I was with this record deal, and then, and then of course, easy come, easy go. A year later, it's like we weren't really selling any records, and so I didn't have a record deal, and I was still working at Ardent. And B.B. Uh, uh, King had come in to record an album, and he had uh, John Lee Hooker and a guy named Buddy Guy and Robert Cray, uh, really great guitar players and blues legends, and they were making an album which got a Grammy nomination, I mean, Grammy Award later, called Playing With My Friends. And I had an, a vintage guitar... 
uh, a vintage Gretsch guitar that I had them all sign the pick guard to because I thought to myself, this is sort of a momentous yeah. uh, occasion. You know, if blues could have a mount of transfiguration, it was sort of like, you know, let us build a tabernacle for all of you. <laughs> and uh, and so they so they all signed this pick guard. And as I walked out, the guy that owned B.B. Uh, King's Blues Club, Tommy Peters, one of the investors in that, he said, hey, what's what's with this guitar? And so he wanted to buy the guitar. And so part of buying the guitar, which he didn't want to pay the money that I felt like it was worth. Uh, and uh, but he said, I own a I own a club. Uh, really, it's a, a coffee and pie shop on Beale Street, uh, two doors down from B.B. King's. And uh, I'm, I'm waiting to get a, a license, you know, to sell liquor, basically. And he said, but in that time, I'll tell you what, I'll buy your guitar and then I'll give you uh, I'll give you a gig. Basically, I'll, I'll let you play in this thing for a certain amount of time. And it's kind of funny because he didn't pay me any money, but I couldn't believe that anybody was allowing a Christian to lift up the Lord in a club on Bill Street. So we took it. So every <laughs> Friday and Saturday night. Uh, we were playing at this little club, and and Dana Key found out about it, and he came out to watch us, and we had a line out the door. Now, when I say that, it's not because we were any good. It's just the place wouldn't hold more than 30 people. So we had a line out the door, and we only knew like five or six songs. So we'd play this five or six songs, and then we'd literally say, get out. And then we'd have the next 30 or 40 people come in. And so Dana saw a line out the door on Beale Street, people singing songs about Jesus, and he goes, hey, man, you can't go back to college, bro. We're going to start a record label at Ardent, and you're going to be the first artist. And that's, that was it. He oh, started producing records with us. Well, you know, it brings back some memories early in my Christian life back in the uh, mid-late 70s. Uh, Rick Miller was a guy that uh, oh, yeah. helped disciple me, and he did a radio show on Rock 103 called Josiah Ring that aired on Sunday mornings. And I used to go pick up his vinyl records. He was also the milkman for Turner Dairy, and I was a new believer, and I Got started radio with the old LYX FM eighty nine in you, town. You got to love the luxurious yeah. life of radio DJ. Oh, yeah. <laughs> also milkman. Also milkman. <laughs> but uh, Rick would would drop off the uh, his album collection on the door of uh, Southwestern at Memphis, which is Rhodes College, yes. and I would walk those steps and do a, sun, a Saturday morning show called The Second Mile mm. that, by the way, Adrian Rogers, late Adrian Rogers, named his son David and I were good friends. And I was a brand-new Christian, didn't even know much about Christian music, so he would hand me these albums. And uh, Dr. Rogers said, well, you should call your show The Second Mile. So that's what we did I on Saturday that. mornings while I was in high school, kind of the early days. Wow. But uh, and, but something else about Dana Key I want to kind of hone in on, too, yeah. uh, not just his music ability and not just what God did, you know, he was in Bible college, actually, uh, Mid-South Bible College, which later became Crichton, Crichton. College. Yeah. Yes. And I think he was like a junior, but when their tape got sent off to Pat Boone, and he and Eddie, you know, were said, hey, we want you to go on a tour for a year. And that started another about a 20-year career with Grammys and Dove Awards. But something that always impressed me about Dana was his love for the Word, mm. you know, and, and at the end of every concert, he would always like put the guitar down and take the Word and open it up, you know, 
And it didn't matter where he was at. And he would just share what was on his heart about what God had to say through the Bible, that mm-hmm. Scripture was relevant to our lives, just like it is right now. Yes. And so I know it's something that's also very passionate, that you, a passion that you have, too, about Bible literacy and people connecting the, the Word with worship and worship. I'll talk about, just talk about this a second. Sure. Well, when it comes to the music business, uh, in 1990, when I got into the music business, and uh, really started touring uh, heavily in '95. Uh, our first song went s- straight to the top of the of the charts, and so we went from doing nothing. And I was like waiting tables at the Cooker, right? That yeah, is, that is remember, exi- I remember now the it's Ruth's Chris. Yeah, but <laughs> back when it was the Cooker, and uh, we went from doing nothing to that that thing hit the radio. And then we had, I think, the next month, 18 concerts. And then for the next seven years, we did you know, three or four concerts a week. And it was just, I don't know, it's just, it was just uh, assumed to me that the reason for doing the concerts was not the music. I always had the belief that the reason for the concerts was to draw a crowd of people with music, but that you can take a time about three quarters of the way through the concert and and sit everybody down and just say, hey, I'd like to share with you how I came to know Jesus and how you could know him too. And so vis-a-vis Evangelism Explosion, I would share my testimony every night and then give an invitation. And every night we saw people responding to the gospel in the concerts. It never dawned on me that we would not do that. And what's interesting is that the people that we toured with early on, once again, when I became a believer, the Lord put me into a Bible study with guys that totally dug the Bible. And when I got into the music business, my first tour was with Dana Key and Ed DeGarmo, two guys who loved the Word of the Lord, loved to talk about it all of the time. And we would sit in the, uh, you know, in the front lounge of the tour bus as we're kind of amok in America. And we would just talk about the Bible, not even really debate about it, but just talk about it and be in agreement about it. And to me, that was the that was the foundation for all of the songs. I wrote a lot of story songs and and uh, and that was really the foundation for the songs. And the reason was to write songs that would help people get get along in life. But really, the reason for the concerts was always to stop, share the gospel, and give an invitation. And when I say give an invitation, I mean come forward, invitation. And by the time we got out of that, we played our last concert at Harvest Christian Fellowship for Greg Laurie in uh, 2000, New Year's Eve 2000, going into 2001. And uh, and the, the whole reason was, was, to, uh, was to share the gospel and give an invitation. And I think that's why... I became such good friends with Greg Laurie, and that's why I started writing songs for Greg Laurie in order to set up teaching moments and crusade moments. And uh, probably the best song I ever wrote, I I guess maybe some folks would disagree, I don't know, uh, but I think is a song called Choose Life. And the reason why I say that is because they they would still use that as as a crusade invitation song. And uh, and I never thought that that was a thing that that wouldn't do. And but by the time I got out of the music business in 2000, uh, going into 2001, almost nobody stopped and shared the gospel and gave an invitation. And and uh, and the events are very different than the way they used to be. I don't want to denigrate anybody the way that they're doing it. It just I just thought to myself. 
the last few times that I've seen these sort of cavalcades of stars that sort of go through town, and I used to play on all those shows too, but uh, I thought to myself, man, uh, I really wish that somebody would really just like, just like shoot it laser sharp through this room, because to me, if you got, I don't know, ten thousand people in an arena, and you have a net, why would you not, you know, throw it? <laughs> yeah. But but it was Dana and Eddie which really helped to instill that value of knowing the word, writing songs which were based on the word. And then sharing the word and not being afraid of losing fans or whatever by by presenting the gospel in such a way and then offering for people to make a public profession of faith. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's such a key point you make there. Not being ashamed, you know, the scripture talks about in Romans, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Right. Because of what it is, it's the power of God to transform lives, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, and truly, if we've walked at that experience where it's transformed our life, then we would want to share what, you know, what God's done in our life, you know. Uh, you mentioned Greg Laurie, uh, of course, the pastor at the Harvest Christian Fellowship, and also another Bible teacher on, on our on Bot Station. And the Harvest America Crusades that have been going on now for the past several years, yes. we've been broadcasting those live here on Bot Radio Network, the whole entire network. And that's been really neat to see how that's grown and, and just so many lives that have come to Christ as a result, you know, of those crusades. Uh, also, you, you spent some time at uh, in Chicago with Willow Creek, I, I believe. Did. And, a very uh, short amount of time, but it was, I think, significant. Now, were you on staff there, or I was. Uh, when I got hired, I got I got hired by a guy named Jim Tomberlin, and they were starting uh, they were starting uh, an initiative, uh, which we now know as multi site church, and uh, they were the first ones to do that. And then when I say multi-site church, I mean like a lot of churches now have a satellite where they'll show a video of preaching and then they'll have a live band or whatever. Well, they were still trying to figure all of that out, and they were just launching it. And I was the first uh, music director that they that they hired for that initiative. So, you know, when I say it was very significant, it wasn't there long, uh, but the work that I did there. I mean, I work at Bellevue, and we have a satellite church, and. Uh, and the systems for the way that a lot of that stuff is done, how you recruit people, how you talk to people, how you, you know, schedule and how you uh, put out, uh, you know, all of the information that is needed in order to make that happen. Uh, uh, we developed in, in that short amount of time. And what's interesting is the first year that there was a multi-site conference, four churches showed up. It was like Andy Stanley and Willow Creek and I think a guy in Hawaii and maybe a guy in Oklahoma or something. And then the next year there's like 40. And then the next year is like 400. And so now there's just thousands of churches that do it. And, uh, and so it was, it was an honor to be there. I was glad to see what happened. But, uh, but quite frankly, you know, personally, uh, I, you know, my approach to, uh, to the word is, is very different than the way that they, that, that, that they, uh, you know, preach and the way that they deliver the gospel. And so it was uh, really a, a, a great thing that, that Greg Laurie had called and asked if I would be interested in coming to California. And, of course, I was there for uh, nine years in California before Steve Gaines called me 
and uh, to come to, to Bellevue in Memphis. And like I said, I used to be a member of Bellevue for seven years. In, uh, so you came when home? When I lived here. Well, what's funny is that uh, when I came home, my name was still on the rolls. I laughed about that. <laughs> so it's such a Baptist thing, isn't it? But uh, they said you have to actually, you have to actually uh, leave the church officially and then in the next five minutes rejoin the church so that <laughs> – this is the way they go. Uh, that's crazy. So in well, some ways, I never left. Well, hey, listen, the, this program is <laughs> – time is going quickly, and I want just some things that we want to make sure we cover before we say goodbye. You, we've got your guitar in the studio. We'd love to hear a song. Yes. But uh, one of the things that you're doing right now is you're leading a Bible study on the town square in Cairo. It's the right. – uh, Museum of the Bible, Bible yes. Museum on the Square. I think it's Bible the Bible Museum on the Square. Yeah, Bible Museum on the Square. Yeah. Yes. Uh, my good friend Craig Girgo is the director over there mm-hmm. now, and we did a live show there recently and promoted the nativities that were there. But uh, a great location. So tell us about this Bible study. What you're doing there? Okay. Uh, uh, before we run out of time, I do want to talk about a couple of things coming yeah. up at Bellevue. Yeah. But uh, yeah, when I moved to town, I had a friend of mine who I reconnected with. And uh, and he said, you know, I, I don't really have some guys to, to do a Bible study. And I said, well, I'll do a Bible study with you. And and uh, when I lived in uh, California, I had developed a, a, a franchise, as it were, a Bible study franchise where we were teaching the Bible uh, in coffee houses around California. And uh, I wrote a daily devotional of the entire Bible chapter by chapter, which we have incorporated at Bellevue. If you go to Bellevue.org slash challenge, uh, you can jump on board. And what's great about that is it's almost over. Like tomorrow we start Daniel chapter 1, so we don't have too much longer. Around Easter, we will have read the entire Bible over the course of about three and a quarter years. And so when I was teaching, what would happen is I would email out a devotional for each day's chapter, and then we would come together once a week, and I would teach every seventh chapter. And so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if you agree, as I think you do, that we live in sort of a faithless generation, I'm not talking about the world, I'm talking about within the church. Yeah. And the how, why is it the church can't rise up faithfully on issues that seem to be so black and white in the Bible? And the truth is, is a lot of times they don't have the faith to stand up because they're not because they're not spending the discipline to be in the Word every day. If they're in the Word every day, they would have no question as to what God's Word says on any particular subject. And so I had a bunch of young people, starting with about eight or nine, and by the time I left California, we had over 2,000 people that were reading the Bible every day. And so uh, when I moved here, Steve Gaines said, hey, you know what, I'd like to do that here at Bellevue. So now we have, I think it's anywhere between 4,500 and 4,800 at Bellevue, as well, who have been reading the Bible with us uh, day by day, and uh, and hopefully when we finish, we'll just start again. Like Chris, yeah. that's what Christians do; exactly. they read the Bible every day. Yeah. And uh, Craig now has been with me almost through the whole Bible, and when he took over the directorship of the museum, he said, "Steve, uh, I'd like to do something like that at the Bible Museum. What a better place to do it!" And uh, and so we started teaching. So every Tuesday night, which is tonight, by the way, tonight Romans chapter ten. So that's an exciting chapter, very dynamic. And uh, But he said, you know, let's do that. So 6.30 every Tuesday night, we're getting together with only one, you know, only one goal, which is let's read the Bible every day. Uh, the Bible Museum sends out a Bible devotional that I've written for each day's chapter, and then when we come together once a week, I, all I'm doing is just teaching every seventh and chapter. This is not a men's Bible study only. 
Oh no, it's it's actually it's anybody who wants to come show up. Yeah, yeah. Again, and that's it tonight, six thirty. Bible Museum on the Square in yes. Collierville, the historic square, which has won like the they think the award for the best town square in the country. So it's a great location. There's some places to grab something to eat too while you're around there, mm-hmm. and come to Bible study. Uh, anything else we need to close out with mention wise? Well, I just want to mention that we have a men's conference which is coming up at Bellevue February second and third, and it is always a great conference. And this year, I think it's. Absolutely phenomenal because a good friend of mine, James McDonald, is is teaching another at Bible the teacher here on Bot Radio. Another Bot Radio Bible teacher, and I've known him forever. And when he went through his uh, cancer treatments, he came out to California and uh, at Harvest Christian Fellowship to Greg Laurie's church. And you know, it's only only James McDonald will go through cancer treatments and teach a Bible study session in Job while he was going through cancer treatment. But it's going to be fantastic. He's a super motivator. Also, Jonathan Evans, son of Tony Evans. Jonathan Evans is the is the chaplain for the Dallas Cowboys, and we all know they need prayer. And of course, Tommy Bowden, who was an SEC coach, as well as uh, Donnie Smith, who is a former CEO of. Tyson Foods. He's going to talk about leadership a little bit and what it means. And of course, Steve Gaines, who always does a great job. He's perfect for for uh, men's ministry, and uh, that will kick off starting now after the after the third. Then the following Thursday will be six a.m. at Bellevue, the Men of Memphis Conference. I mean, Men of Memphis every week. The, the, uh, the Bible study. The Bible study. Yeah. Yes, and breakfast. So if you like gravy, bring it. <laughs> and then uh, also on February 9th at Bellevue, Gary Thomas is going to be there for the Cherish Marriage event. That's going to be six thirty to nine thirty. So and you can go to Bellevue.org to find out about any of those uh, events and more. Okay, I tell you what, uh, Steve. What's happening right now? My producer is saying we're running out of time. But uh, on the air on AM six forty and FM one hundred point seven, we yes. can probably say goodbye. But our Facebook friends that are still watching, we have got a song for you. Steve is going to bring the guitar out. We're going to play, so Facebook family can stay where you are. You'll get to hear a song. So those on the radio that might want to tune over to the Facebook Byron Tyler on Facebook and look for the live feed, you'll be able to hear the song as Steve gets his guitar out. And what we'll have to do, Steve, obviously, is have you come back where we can spend more time and let's let you do some music for us on on the radio, too. And teach some Bible. And teach some Bible also. That'd be great. Love to do that. So uh, we'll just let you take it away. Set before you now, living or dying, blessing or cursing. And know the time has come around to turn from your fighting, rest in his mercy, and choose life that you might live. He gives, He gives you forever. Choose life the way that is true from the one who chose you, your Father in heaven. Choose life and trust the Lord with all your heart. All of your soul and all of your being and hold on, listen.
listen and obey Surrender your life Into His keeping Choose life That you might live The life that He gives He gives you forever Choose life The way that is true From the one who chose you Your Father in heaven Choose life And the weight you're under Will be lifted away And the world will wonder that he gives he gives you forever choose life the way that is true from the one who chose you your father in heaven choose life choose life So a choice is set before you now Living or dying Blessing or cursing Choose life Wow, (laughs) that is wonderful. Steve Wiggins, thank you so much again for our Facebook family. Uh, we got the camera on you right now because that was uh, the highlight of our show is having you sing. Oh. And thank you so much. Uh, of course, we're off air, but we're still going live for, for a second. I did want to say one quick thing in closing. Uh, yes. Back in 2003, you did a, a youth uh, Wednesday night Bible study uh, kind of worship time at Bellevue in the gymnasium. And at that time, my wife and I were working with the youth there. And I recorded the songs you played and uh, still have that CD. We, we've shared some of that today mm-hmm. with you in my office. And uh, there was one particular person I've got to say something about, and that is Ann Mullins. She did backup. At the time, she was a high school senior. Ann Lamont was a high school senior, and she did backup with you on the story of the two Joneses songs. Yes. Of course, she and Ryan are over at High Point Church now. But uh, anyway, God bless you, my dear brother. Thank you for what you're doing Thank for Christ's you. kingdom. Will you come back? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. If, right. As long as y'all are teaching the Bible, I, 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 I would love to come back. We'll do it. Well, and I bet that never stops. It doesn't stop with Bot Radio. It has it now for 56 years, so it continues on. Well, that's all the time we have on this edition of uh, Mid-South Viewpoint with our friends on Facebook. Thanks for listening. I'm Byron Tyler. So long.